welcome to From the Shed End podcast, episode five. Eventful weekend. My name's T Dot. Joined by Theo, as always. How are you doing, Theo? Good. Yeah, a bit of a bittersweet weekend, I feel. Um, the kind of big, big news and the big result from Saturday kind of overshadowed by all the drama from yesterday. But yeah. otherwise, I'm good. Enjoyed the sunshine the weekend. Sorted out my internet issues, I think. So fingers, <laughs> cro- fingers crossed this episode runs a lot smoothly, uh, more smoothly than the previous one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's obviously good to... Uh to discuss this weekend but before we do that as always you can follow us on twitter instagram um from the shed end so um as i say we're a newly formed podcast channel um football channel chelsea channel um like subscribe follow um interact with us as much as possible and obviously during the live episodes as well um if you're not listening to this on spotify or apple um interact with us during the show as well we'd like to hear your thoughts especially this weekend um a lot to talk about today so um let's try and get into some of the more nicer things i suppose before we get onto the crazy stuff but brilliant weekend for us um brilliant weekend of victories for us um obviously we had um fa cup semi-final manchester city uh one nil got got another prediction under the under the belt um, what were your thoughts for you yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant result. uh i thought we were in control from the first minute like you i predicted one nil but i thought it'd go to extra time in the end it's the same same final score but um really good result. uh you know, we, kind of, we both discussed saying that we needed a solid first um, 10, 15 minutes of football. And we went uh, we went into the, into Wembley we went, and we kind of showed that first 10, 15 minutes, we were brilliant. I think we had over 60% of the ball in the first 10 minutes. And that's against a very good Manchester City side. Yes, they were resting maybe a few of the key players, the likes of Bernardo Silva and um, and uh, Riyad Mahrez, but still Man City. You know, they had some of the best players in the league um, on the pitch. And... I think I think we, we were both talking after the game and we felt every single player performed um, during that game. In that 90 minutes of football, every single player kind of gave it their all. I, mean, I sound like a broken record now in these episodes, but Kante again, superb, um, covered every blade of grass on the pitch, intercepted balls, recovered balls. And I thought the defence was really solid and credit to the defence, Kepa was never really tested. So I think, you know, Maybe a couple of Navi fans, fans with Kepa starting, but um, he wasn't properly tested. And what he did have, you know, thrown at him, he dealt with it really well, I think. So I think that would do him the world of good and boost his confidence. But overall, a great performance. And I think we'll be a lot more confident now going into that Premier League game against Manchester City uh, towards the end of the season at the Etihad, knowing that we can beat them, but also possibly, I don't jinx it, but maybe a Champions League final against Manchester City as well in Istanbul in May, if um, results go our way as well. So overall, really a really good performance, and I'm going to another our ninth um, chance to win our ninth, uh, eighth FA Cup uh, title in um, next month against uh, Leicester City. So that'll be another interesting game. But yeah, really positive result and really positive performance. Yeah, and I'd have to echo a lot of that what you said. Um, yeah, it was going to be crucial that first ten, ten, fifteen minutes. Um, you know, we, we had to settle the storm. We had to 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 work out what kind of game we were going to be up against as well. I thought City were quite reserved. Um, whether that was just because of the fact that they, you know, they obviously had the nerves of the quadruple in the back of their minds. Um, I said last night on a, on a separate podcast that I, I do believe that 
you know, out of all those those cups and trophies, the Champions League is the one, the ultimate one for Man City. So if, you know, if you said to them, which one would you rather draft? You know, yeah, for, of course you say the League Cup being the Carabao Cup be the first one, but um, they just weren't at it. You know, there was something that just didn't, you know, it was it was so easy for us to play the game that we wanted to play. Um, a lot easier than I, I'd imagined it would. It was going to be, it, you know, you still looking at the lineup at you know that we we started with, and you, you know, obviously first name Kepa's on there. We knew that anyway. I think you know he's he's been playing really well, as we mentioned in the last episode when he has been playing under Tuchel um, so far. Um, it was just, yeah, it was a brilliant performance by us. I thought Timo Werner, um, you know, he, he seems to be becoming one of those players, um, that, you know, Marmite, you know, some, some of the fan base love him, some of the fan base don't, or they expect to see a bit more from him, but there's a lot that he does. Um, you know, okay, he's not scoring a lot of goals, but even for the, the goal that he set up with Ziyech as well, um, you know, brilliant run off, the, just off the last defender. It was, it was brilliant. So, um, that's what we needed from him. And I thought Thiago Silva was, oh, I've run out of things to say about him. He's such a, you know, you can tell that he's playing through an injury, which yeah. makes mm-hmm. it even more amazing. The fact that he's, you know, he's playing through his, whatever injury he's got, it looks like a, some sort of issue with his back. But, to be playing with that type of injury, still playing the intensity that, you know, City gave us some trouble, you know, in the first half and even in the second half, you know, it was still an open game, but yeah, I'm happy, you know, we, we clinched what, what we needed to do in that game. Um, and yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was brilliant mm-hmm. for us. Did you think it was odd for Man City not to start with the likes of um, Phil Foden and Gundogan? Did you, did you think it was a, a strange move from Pep? They played in the Champions League on Wednesday. Um, I don't know who they're playing next in the league, but I'm knowing Pep, he'll probably want to wrap up the league quite early to focus on the Champions League. So as you said, if you had to drop one of those kind of, you know, one of those focuses of titles, he'd probably be the FA Cup over the Champions League and the Premier League. So it doesn't, I know we've seen Pep this season before, he's rotated his squad at every single game. I don't think he's ever, he's hardly ever repeated the same starting 11 for two matches in a row. But those are some big names in an FA Cup semi-final that you're dropping the likes of Gundogan, Mares, uh, Bernardo Silva. So it was slightly strange. Um, but then I, I could say again that every single player that did play for City is still, you know, borderline world-class, amazing players. So it's still, you have to take that into account as well, that no matter which player they drop, the player coming in will do an amazing job for them, whether that's um, Sterling, Cancelo, um who else today have in midfield? I mean, we saw De Bruyne got went off injured, and Foden yeah. came on to replace him. So it just shows the depth of the squad they have as well. But um, but no, slightly strange, I think. But as I said, I think he wants to really focus on that Champions League semi final against PSG, and also hopefully have the league wrapped up in maybe two or three games. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think you're right. I think you know Pep Pep's always going to be um, and City. You know, it's the the, the elusive part of their you know, their trophy cabinet, isn't it? That they don't have that Champions League. So I do think wrap up the Premier League and focus on um, the Champions League, whatever that's going to look like, um, which we'll get onto later. But um, yeah, you know, I was impressed. You know, I was impressed. I think looking at the way that um, the, the Leicester-Southampton game went yesterday, you'd have to put us in, you know, the, the favourites for that game, mm-hmm. just off the back of what we've we've seen in the form of Leicester as well. Um, it's been very roller coaster up and down, and um, you know they've had moments where they look amazing. But even watching them yesterday, they didn't look like a team that would cause us too much to worry mm-hmm. about during the final. Yeah, um, 
I did watch the second half of that game. Uh, Vardy, see, I think he's going for a bit of a, a dry patch at the moment. He's not, he hasn't scored, I think, in a, quite a while. Ian Nacho is the main man for them at the moment. He's scoring a lot. And he kind of looks, could, in his post-match interview, you could just say, see that he, you know, going into the um, FA Cup final as an under, and as the underdog is an opportunity that he absolutely relishes. And he seemed really happy to obviously have 21,000 fans as well at Wembley for the final. I think that's what meant a lot to him as well. He seems like a great player. He seems to really be enjoying his football at the moment. So I reckon he's the main player to be careful of. Madison as well, back in their team. You know, he, he scored against us in that, um, in that Premier League game in January. Um, so I think they do have the players to hurt us. Um, it will be a tough game. I'm expecting a tougher game, actually, than the Man City semi-final, simply because it's a final. Leicester being the underdogs, you know, they haven't won the FA Cup and God knows how long. Um, you could see what it meant to them at full time to be in the, to qualify for the final. But as well, I'm expecting a much better Chelsea performance than the one we saw against um, Leicester in January. I think um, that game at the King Power was kind, of, was kind of towards the end of Lampard's spell. You could tell the players just seemed unmotivated. So I think a lot's changed in that three or four months since then. And I'm expecting a very good final. But I, as you said, I think Chelsea going in, in it as the favourites after watching that 90 minutes against Southampton with Leicester yesterday. So I'm expecting a, another FA Cup title, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say we've got to be looking to to win that um, FA, FA Cup final. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts as well um, on Tammy Abraham being sort of taken away from the team and not being included. And is there more to it that you know we've discussed about around obviously our striker options for hopefully next season as well already um, during one of our episodes? But does that kind of tell you that Tuchel doesn't see him as a, a future number nine or striker at uh, at Chelsea? I think it is kind of warm for Tammy Abraham, if I'm honest. I mean, a lot of talk on Twitter was saying, and I was reading some articles, you, when you get to the cup games, you bring in your second choice goalkeeper, which is Kepa. And Kepa's played, I think, every single FA Cup game. And in that same logic, you'd maybe bring in your second choice striker, which would be Giroud Abraham right now, mm-hmm. with, you know, behind Werner and Havertz. And the fact that they did, neither of them started, I think Giroud is expected to leave this summer, end of contract. But Abraham as well, you know, it's not looking good. I don't think he started a game since that injury against Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Back in in February. So it's not looking too good for him. I think Leicester being one of the clubs, I think, that have been linked with him. West Ham as well. So I think any club that does get him, particularly, you know, maybe a Leicester or West Ham will, you know, get a very good player, a young player who's a proven goal scorer. And he saved us a lot last season in the Premier League probably one of the big um, focal points that helped us get top four in the end, scored some crucial get- goals, the winner against Crystal Palace, you know, early in the season, uh, bagging that um, hat-trick against Wolves, a brace against Norwich, those type of goals, you know, really what helped us a lot to kind of gain that top four spot. But, um, but yeah, it is worrying. I don't see, it seems like Tuchel doesn't really rate him as much. I don't know if he's trying to tell the board, you know, I need a, I need a, a new number nine, or if he's telling the board, I'm going to persist with Havertz at a fast nine. So it's quite a tricky one. I think it's going to be a very interesting summer. And as this rate, I don't see him going to the Euros at all. I think he's behind the pecking order, behind Calvert-Lewin, behind Ollie Watkins, behind Kane, behind Rashford, behind all these players. So it's going to be a difficult um, decision for both Abraham, Chelsea and Tuchel this summer. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking more likely he's he's probably out of contention now, isn't he? And like you say, I think it's it's a message or a sign from Tuchel to say, you know, we do need a an out and out striker who who's going to be able to deliver the the quality quantity and the quality, I suppose, of goals that we're going to need um, 
moving forward, you know, whatever, again, whatever that looks like, we know we need to, to start thinking about that now. And um, yeah, you know, it just doesn't, you know, he's, he's done, I think on, under Lampard, he done really well. Um, I do think the injuries that he's had, I think he's had maybe two or three now quite lengthy ones as well that's kept him out for a while. Um, and I do feel, you know, sometimes some players just don't find that form for however many months afterwards, you know, and it could be something that's we're not obviously seeing on training, you know, that they're having every, every day that's happening on the training grounds. Um, that's making that, that choice for Tuchel. Um, but it'd be interesting to see, like you say, where, where he might end up next as well. Um, moving back to the game slightly, um, Fernandinho was he lucky to stay on at one point because he was a bit of a cheeky little stamp on these mm. amount and he went he went on don't forget he didn't get booked for that one he got booked later no. on in the game didn't he no I think yeah he got very very lucky um we probably saw my series of tweets kind of you know asking <laughs> Mike Dean you know what's he thinking why is he not booking him but um but yeah very lucky I think he just maybe released a bit of pressure in time for that stamp not to kind of you know have a full VAR inquiry and look into it. But even after that, um, I think there was two fouls after until he got a yellow card. Yeah. Um, I think he all amount, I believe. Oh, um, so yeah, very lucky. Um, and that's when you do question VAR, you know, it's a bit like that looks like a quite a violent conduct. Why are you not taking a look at it? Even if it's not a red, you know, I want to have that little message on the screen saying VAR, you know, violent conduct check. Um, but yeah, very lucky boy, I feel. Um, and he's he's got that side to him. I've, you know, I mean, I, he's a great player, Man City captain. He's been in the Prem now for a very long time, but he's got a bit of that dirty side to him. We saw yeah. it, I think he was one of those players that got sent off um, at the Etihad for, um, I think, was it was it a, taking Fabregas by the neck? I think he had his, yeah. 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 He, had Fab, he took Fabregas um, by, by the neck and had a bit of a, you know, a slap up with him or something after the Aguero tackle on uh, David Luiz. That was it, yeah. And then he got sent off, obviously, last season for the handball on the line. So, um, yeah, but great player, but very lucky to be on the pitch at the end of the 90 minutes um, on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, he could, I mean, it, it didn't really change the game for us. I think we were that good. You know, we, we, we were able to keep, um, you know, the key players, Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, um, Raheem Sterling. Um, like I said on the previous episode, you know, I wasn't really concerned about Jesus and uh, Ferran Torres. They weren't really my, my concerns. Um, I did find it interesting that Gundogan didn't start the form that he's been in. Phil Foden, arguably, yes, they've got, you know, um, league games coming up as well, but they have got that depth in the squad. And I think had they started them, you know, they go 2-0, you know, even 3-0, 3-1, 2-1 up. You know, I do think they've got enough in there that they could have brought off some of those players and, um, you know, we could have been talking about a totally different game today, but nonetheless, you know, as a Chelsea fan, you know, you have to be, you have to be happy with the result. Um, I'll, I'll get your predictions while we're here against Leicester. What, what do you reckon? Oh, I mean, I know a lot can happen between here and the 15th of May, but, um, in terms of injuries, form, but I'm going to think, I think we'll win it. I think we'll win 2-1. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I, yeah, I think I think there'll be goals in this one. Mm. I think there'll be goals, and I think it'd be it'd be yeah, Jamie Vardy to probably mm. get a goal. I think he turns up at when it need when it matters. He d- he does turn up, um, and obviously Iheanacho, we know what kind of threat he holds as well. Um, Harvey Barnes, you know, Madison, they might they might hit a peak of form at the very mm. end. You know, they didn't play bad, you know, poorly, badly yesterday. They just 
seemed a, a bit stale um, in mm. terms of Leicester. So we'll see. You know, I might I might go through. Might go for free one for now, but I think mm. we'll we'll have to review it maybe again Definitely. closer to the time. And like you say, form injuries. You know, there's a lot of football to be played. I think there's football on every day now till, um, yeah, it's, well, there's football yeah. on every day or all, all month. And I know there's football all week this week as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that that pans out. But hopefully, we can bring the the FA Cup back home. Uh, might be our very last one. We never know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's move on to uh, tomorrow's game. We've got big game coming up. Hopefully get ourselves back into the top four for contention to, um, you know, the top four, whatever that means. Um, with a win against Brighton, hopefully. Um, what's your thoughts on, on that game after the way we played on Saturday? It's a must win. It's a must win and I think we will win. I'll give you my prediction later on. But um, West Ham uh, lost 3-2 to Newcastle on uh, Saturday which means that if we win this one tomorrow, we can overtake them and kind of, you know, be in a stronger position to, to be in the top four. Um, I was looking at, before um starting to record this podcast, I was looking at the Brighton's um, latest results. They've been, they've been good. Mm. Very good. They were unlucky not to, to get at least a point at Old Trafford, I think a few weeks ago. They, I think um, they've won a couple of their last games. Um, Welbeck looking like he, a bit better now in terms of, you know, player that they, they bought. Um, but again, we've got a very, very good record against Brighton. I think bar that 1-1 draw at um, the Amex last season, um, that was the only time we dropped points against Brighton in the top flight. So um, I think and it's at Stanford Bridge as well. Whether that makes a difference nowadays, I don't know. But um, I'm expecting a win. I think we're looking good, uh, very comfortably defensively and uh, offensively. Every time we record these, I always suggest some changes in the lineup, but two core seems to be quite set now with that starting 11, a lot more than he was a few weeks ago. I think Chilwell's started the last three or four. Havertz, Werner, Ziyech, Pulisic are those front four now rather than maybe, I mean, not Mount as well, but Giroud and Abraham, we spoke about them slightly out of favour now. Unless maybe, you know, Giroud will come on maybe around the 80th minute, you know, tall player to defend corners. But um, but yeah, I think we'll win it quite comfortably, I think. Um, I think I predicted on the, the fifth stand-up, I went for 3-0 myself. I think um, our record against Brighton's great. Yeah. Um, we're at home at Stamford Bridge. I think some of the players that maybe will start against Brighton were rested on Saturday. The likes of Havertz, Pulisic. Um, I'm not sure whether you know he'll change Kante and Jorginho. They're playing a lot of football at the moment. Yeah. You might not want to risk them to in- um, losing them to an injury with that semi-final against Madrid. So Kovacic obviously out with a hamstring injury, but it's whether Gilmore comes in, which I think he's. We spoke about him the other week as well. Great player. He can start these type of games. He proved it against Everton and Liverpool last season. Um, I'd like to see Gilmore slot in, maybe alongside Kante or Jorginho, one of the two. Um, so yeah, I think 3-0. Good result. I think Pulisic will score again after that brace against um, Palace the other weekend. Yeah. So that's my my prediction and my thoughts. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one because I feel like, you know, it's our, it's our opportunity to get back into Champions League position top four um brighton now are 16th or something like that i think 16th i think mm. they are in the league so they're on 33 points you cannot you could argue that they're safe um i think just looking at this now um burnley same points um a game extra played already fulham 33 games played 27 points so you could argue that you know they're safe the problem with with brighton i feel is that they're 
you know, they waste so many chances and, mm. you know, they, they play really good football, um, on the Graham Potter. I think he's a good manager. You know, he gets, he gets the best out of a team that should be doing better. I think if they had a clinical striker up front yeah. or someone that could Great. put it in the back of the net, they'd probably be mid table, you know, um, knocking on Europa's door slightly. Um, they've got a good, um, bunch of teams, a uh, bunch of players in the team, but, they do waste a lot of chances. Mm. So I think we do have to be mindful of that, that they are going to be playing. You know, I've watched a lot of Brighton this season and, and, you know, they do cause issues for teams. The problem is they just don't know how to finish, but, you know, on any good, you know, given day, they might actually, you know, get a, a couple of goals against us. But I do agree. I think Billy Gilmore needs to come back in the fold. It was interesting that he was on the bench on Saturday. Um, obviously Tuchel still sees him as part of the, the, the fit at Chelsea. So, um, you know, I think we need to see what he can do. Like you say, there's a, like I said as well, there's a lot of football coming up from now until the end of the season. Um, again, just looking at, you know, the fixtures we've got coming up. I think we, we, we play West Ham, um, straight after on the, uh, Saturday game. I think that's half five. Yeah. Then we have Real Madrid, um, Fulham, Madrid again, Man City, Arsenal, Leicester, <laughs> and then Villa. And that's all in the space from now until the 23rd of May. So, you know, you're just talking just over a month's time, you know, all these games need to be played. So I do think there is going to have to be some slight changes in that team. And Tuchel's not, you know, he's not afraid of doing that. He's done that, you know, even um, I, I would have thought Havertz would have been playing on, on Saturday at some point. Um, and yes, he came on, but in terms of starting, I thought he probably would have got a start the way he's been playing. So I don't think there's there's any issue with changing some of that you know um that starting 11 but we do need to you know we need to kick on now and try and get top four um it's a difficult difficult one to talk about obviously with the announcement that was made yesterday um with with the super league but as far as it stands you know as it is at the moment we do need to still concentrate and and play play the, the season out as it is rather than trying to I suppose second guess what might be or what what may happen eventually, but I still think we need to to kick on. I do think West Ham will drop off. I think they'll drop off, and we, we you know Newcastle fair, fair play to them. They played really good football um, the the other day, but we've got to treat every game now as a mm. must win match. I know every game's a must win, but we can't be if you know we can't afford to be dropping points at this part of the season now it's too crucial um and if the you know the european super league doesn't go ahead do we really want to be sitting in europa league next season you know missing yeah. out on top 4 so yeah. we should be beating brighton easily you know we like you said we've got a brilliant record against them um i think we beat them 3-1 early this season yeah. at the first Alex. game of the season yeah. yeah so i think going into that kind of game you, you've got to consider us favourites as well um, it'd be interesting to see if he starts with Werner or like you say Jiru uh, or, or someone else up front as well yeah um, so yeah you said I mean obviously I could, there's a list of fixtures coming up they're coming thick and fast and yeah. it's it's those games again that kind of do make me question whether you know we can get the three points the likes of Brighton and Fulham who are hovering around the relegation Fulham yeah. you know in 19th and those are the type of games that are not 19th sorry um, 18th that are very tricky because I think these teams now they've got nothing to you know nothing to lose in a way they've just they need to get the three points crucially and we saw it at Fulham at um, at the Emirates yesterday great performance from them very unlucky not to get the three points with that last minute um, equaliser from Enketia but um, 
but yeah, those are the type of games which, as a Chelsea fan, you expect to win. But I'm expecting as well a very difficult game. So inj- uh, fixtures coming thick and fast, and we saw it slightly on Saturday as well. The silver backery, I think Mount and um, Aspi as well. At some point, were kind of, you know, yeah. look like they were limping slightly or ca- carrying some kind of small injury. This is the part of the season now where you need that depth in your squad. You need to make some rotations for for games like Brighton on Tuesday. So yeah, um, I mentioned some of this. I think I would. I mean, I say this every week, but I'd love to see Giroud start a rest. Maybe one of the one of the four or five um, attacking players we have. I think Emerson or Alonso as a left wing back, and maybe even bring Hudson Odoi back into um, the fold as um, the fit as uh, the right wing back. We saw him play really well against Palace. So I think um, he's a player as well that should be under consideration for a, start, a position in the starting eleven for these type of games. Yeah. No. I'm. It's an interesting one about right wing back because I think it works with Hudson Odoi there as much as it does with Reese James as a good option to have. Um, I agree with you. Mason Mount looked shattered on Saturday. Mm. He looked looked shattered like he'd like he'd been playing the game ninety minutes before the City game. He was that. He just looked like a player that's been and rightfully so. You know, I know he hasn't been used. There was stats that were thrown at me the other day, and I don't think he's been used as much under Tuchel as he has under Lampard, which is to be expected based on the number of games played under each manager, I guess. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, he just looks shattered. And I, I do question, is this a game where we could kind of sit him out and just um, give him that rest? You know, maybe, I think we, out of the two games, you look at, um, you know, Brighton and West Ham on Saturday, which one would you rather have him in? And mm. the way that West Ham are playing at the moment, you'd probably have to say, you know, we need him at West Ham. That's no criticism to Brighton at all, but I just feel like we can probably get away with tweaking, like you say, Hudson Odoi right wing back, maybe putting Billy Gilmore in there, who's not a bad player at all. Same no, with Hudson no. Odoi, you know, that we're not replacing these players with, you know, players that you kind of raise the eyebrows at. They, they, they're good enough to start in the team already. So it'd be interesting. I, I think we'll, mm. I think we'll win. Um, Let's see if I can get a hat trick of predictions. <laughs> um, I think we'll win, and I think it will be two nil to Chelsea. I think we'll, I think we'll go really from the off. We'll just go and get mm. our goals, and then we'll we'll just do what we can do, and that's which we haven't been able to do the last couple of seasons: defend the lead, um, which we should be able to do based on the team mm. that we've got there now. So two nil. Nice. Yeah. I- I'll stick with 3-0 I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that extra goal maybe yeah Brighton showing a bit of fatigue but yeah okay let's get the elephant in the room I can't believe I can't believe what we read um, just a bit of context for anyone listening who may not um, have been watching the news any sports outlets this morning or last night so um it's been announced that um, there's going to be some form of European Super League, which will consist of basically the top European clubs. Um, just trying to find the list of them now. Um, so this will include Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona and Real Madrid. And also include AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juventus. So this will now you can help me on this video because I've been reading so much that I'm just confusing myself a little bit. So um, the way I see it is that it's it's a it's a basically a very super rich Champions League, basically with no relegation. Um, 
there's no, you know, it's a, it's a breakaway league is what they're describing it as. Um, you know, if you, you switch on your, your TV now, initially just give me your thoughts when you first heard the news and what, what did you think? I was, it just seems to go against everything that, you know, traditional football, you know, represents, you know, when you look at what happened in 2016, Leicester city, mm-hmm. you know, winning the premier league, beating the likes of Chelsea, Man U, Man City to that title in the following season, being in the Champions League and competing against the, against the likes of Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, you know, those were the teams they played in that, in that Champions League campaign. Whereas now it's all these big clubs will be seem to just, you know, wave goodbye to that traditional format and going elsewhere and just playing amongst themselves, you know, for that extra money, I feel. I think it's three billion being split between those 12 clubs, those founding clubs. And it just seems, it seems bonkers. I couldn't believe it last night when I was reading the news. I think I had, had work this morning, but I stayed up until about 1am just going through Twitter, reading posts, reading articles. And then I saw the Chelsea club statements at 11.30. And that, that's when it really hit me. It felt real. It felt like Chelsea were just going against what the fans want, what the history of the club represents. And I don't know. It's just the format... I'm going to say I'm going to try to play devil's advocate here and say that the format could work if it's played on top of the Champions League, on top of the Premier League, on top of the FA Cup. If it's these 12 or 15 or 20 teams find the time to play midweek fixtures between themselves, then it could work. But if it means that these teams aren't competing in the Champions League, aren't competing in the FA Cup, mm. or kicked out the Premier League, then that's when you start to think this: the game's gone mad, you know. It kind of it's embedded into your your weekly routine as a football fan. You know, I, I go to Stamford Bridge every weekend. I, I watch Chelsea Norwich. I go to Selhurst Park. I watch Crystal Palace Chelsea in the away end. Um, and that's what it means to be a football fan. You know, go to these games, see the smaller teams play against your team, which you have to say Chelsea's a big team now. And I think they relish that opportunity as well, the small teams, to be able to compete against the big teams. But if these five or six big English Premier League teams leave, then what does that leave the Premier League with? Nothing. You know. And I think Gary Neville summed it up perfectly as well in his um, passionate interview with Sky Sports. He, you know, he was criticizing Man U, his former club. He's criticizing Liverpool, called themselves the People's Club. But um, but yeah, it's it's just really disappointing to see. I I still feel like this is only a day after the statements. I still f- hope something comes about, especially if the, you know, these these top players want to play in the World Cup in 2022 and represent their country, and now saying that FIFA won't allow them to do so. Then you're starting to wonder if a player like Haaland, who's at Dortmund and who, you know, Dortmund have not agreed to join the Super League, will want to stay at Dortmund and be able to, you know, represent Norway in the in the World Cup or whether he'll want to join with these elite super clubs now and, you know, just compete amongst those clubs. So there's a lot of questions to be asked. I do want a bit more clarification as well. I'm still, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit like you. I'm a bit lost. But um, I think the next couple of weeks of, um, will be really, really crucial to understand a bit more about this and see how the rest of the season um, plans out with top four, with Champions League semi-finals now saying that they could be cancelled as well. So yeah, um, but very disappointed and almost disgusted as well. Disgusted at the moment to, to see that the, what they've decided. Yeah, and there's a, there's a few things that when I first initially heard the announcement was, first of all, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I work in project management as well, so I know that these conversations haven't just been cobbled up in the last seven days. You know, these clubs have been 
orchestrating this behind the scenes for they've got to have had so many consultations and they've got to have had so many discussions with each other and you know you can't just cobble something like this together in a week and and then just throw out an announcement so that 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 makes me realize you know even going back to you know some of the decisions that we made you know second frank lampard mm. if we knew we were going to be um entering into the into the super league what was the reason and the rationale behind sacking Frank Lampard? He got us into the top four. It's probably not the best um, example to give, but, you know, we were, we were talking about, you know, we're not going to make top four if we keep Frank Lampard and this and that. And these, these were the reasons that were being batted around by Chelsea fans as well. So that, that goes out the window if you're joining a Super League where you can't get relegated, you won't be playing in the Champions League. Um or any domestic, because I mean, from what I read yesterday, there's no FA Cup if you enter the Super League, no FA Cup, Community Shield, League Cup. Um, the UEFA have said the same, that you can't enter the, the Champions League or the Europa League if you do become, you know, return back to English football, fifth as league, we know, yeah. you're in the fifth league. So there's so many things that are going on. And, it, you know, again, someone else said to me, have Man City and Chelsea been sort of forced into it? They don't want to be left behind. Um, you know, it seems very Americanized and uh, mm. it, it does seem that way. I know NBA's run very similar, NFL's very similar to to how this sounds like it wants to be. But can it really work? I don't I don't think it can. Do I do I really want to watch Arsenal being pumped, you know, seven nil by Barcelona? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't, I don't or, or Chelsea, you know, could happen to Chelsea one one weekend. Do I you know, do I really want to watch an Audi Cup? pre-season tournament which is what it will feel like it will feel like a you know I don't think they said now you know the games will be played home and away eventually they'll they'll do what NBA does and they'll bring it on tours you know the NBA go to London they go to to Paris I think as well another you know football will be played in Singapore it will be played in Dubai because that's where the money will be as well Um, it just feels like you know it was only a couple of seasons ago I was having a mad very mad and debated, heated debate around grassroots football. What happens to grassroots football now? Because you're mm. not going to have your, your youth, um, you know, candidates and your, your academies. They're not going to be coming through your your Chelsea academy and going into that team because you can't afford to bring them through. Can you bring them through? You know, what happens? It's, there's so many issues that stem from this that I don't know who's got the answers, how, how it get, how, how we find out the answers, but there's so many issues that stem from it as well. TV is another one. How does it work for the TV rights for the little clubs as say little clubs? It's not the right word, but the, the less, um, you know, the teams below the top six is what we're, we're talking about here. So we look at an Everton, a Burnley, um, you know, a Southampton at the moment, you know, those clubs, some of them survive on that TV money. There's so many things that I just, I could talk about it all day. I just don't, I, if I'm mm. honest, I don't agree with it. Um, I, I think it, it, it shoves the face of money into the hands of people that don't really, really understand. They're not football fans, they're business owners. Um, which is, it just, yeah, I just, <laughs> even now I'm struggling to yeah, lots process. Of yeah, I am. I'm trying to process what, is actually happening, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, could you see yourself still having the same desire and passion, you know, watching um, your team, our team, 
playing in the Super League. Could you see yourself having that same passion of, like you mentioned, going to Norwich and Crystal Palace? And I know you go to away games, European away games as well, but it would be so different. That that process will be different. Yeah. Can you see yourself still having that passion for Chelsea? I mean, Chelsea is almost like I was born almost, you know, supporting Chelsea. I live yeah. around the corner from Stamford Bridge. It's kind of embedded in me, you know, in my routine, as I said. But this is definitely going to have a, you know, an impact on that. Um, I, I've spoken, I've had debates with Chelsea fans saying that they're going to almost stop supporting Chelsea or not follow the club as much. One of my childhood best friends is in Belgium, huge club Bruges fan. And, you know, since we were kind of, you know, kids together, he started supporting Chelsea as a second club. And, you know, he's a huge Chelsea fan. And following the news yesterday, he said that he's not going to, he's not going to bother with Chelsea anymore. You know, it's, mm-hmm. he thinks it's, it's a disgusting and horrible decision that the club have decided to do. Um, to, to sign up for and but myself it's, it's very difficult to say right now I just want to focus on the rest of the season if it does go ahead and as you said as well if, if it does get Americanized like the NBA the NFL where these games are played abroad I've been to a few NBA games at the O2 which are regular season games at yeah. the O2 in London and if some of them are played in Paris in Mexico City probably as you said Singapore and Dubai will be the next on the list now um It'll make it harder for you know fans in London to travel to these games as well, mm. and it does feel like almost a pre-season tournament, and you know which is at the end of the day isn't as glorified nowadays a pre-season tournament. There is silverware at the end of the day, but um, it's not the type of trophy that you're going to parade across. You know, you say tell your rivals, "I've won this, I've won this." So it's difficult. It's very difficult, and I feel like I was trying to find a thing last night because I was struggling to I was struggling to sleep, and also yeah. just felt like a it felt like a bad kind of, you know, I was hoping to wake up in the morning thinking that was all a bad dream. But um, I was thinking of another, what I, I think they should have maybe considered is the summers where there's no Euros or no Premier League, or no World Cup, sorry, no Euros or no World Cup. That's when you maybe organise this type of tournament, you know, a summer where all the big teams play against each other in the hope that, you know, it's almost like a World Cup of, of uh, you know, le- uh, teams, uh, domestic teams, so the likes of yeah. those 12 teams we mentioned against each other and then you can play abroad whether it will have the same kind of prestige as the Champions League I don't know but um but to have this during a regular season at the same time or to replace it no I just I find it so tricky to to try to as a Chelsea fan that goes to Stamford Bridge every weekend I'm going to find it really hard to to kind of adhere to that and Mm. you know the fact we're playing Real Madrid in a semi-final for the first time in god knows how long since the Cup Winners' Cup, I think in the 90s. Yeah. It's a special fixture for us. It's a special fixture. I grew up, you know, watching Real Madrid of Zidane, Figo, Raul, all these players. And now to be playing against Real Madrid, obviously a very different team now, in 2021, it's a huge fixture. And if that fixture is going to be repeated every every other month, then, you know, it just takes takes away from it. So, it does. so yeah, it's going to be hard as a Chelsea fan. I really hope something happens in the next weeks or months to sort this issue out. But um, but yeah, I'm struggling to see a, a vision at the moment or a future that's kind of, you know, getting my Chelsea routine uh, how it was in the last decade, 20. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm struggling. I, I'm lost for words. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it, it's a good point. It's a good point. I think, um, you know, we're, we're talking about something that hopefully doesn't happen. But if it does happen, then you have to question a lot of things that are going to happen to the other the other clubs that are will you know will be left in the Premier League as well. 
how will that work? Does that mean only one team now gets relegated out of the Premier League? It, you know, there's so many issues and questions and financially it's brilliant for it, for, for Chelsea. It's brilliant for all the clubs that are involved financially. Um, you know, if this was anything away from football and I could take sort of my biased opinion away that I, I always have around Chelsea, I'd say this is brilliant, brilliant bit of business because, you know, it sets the club up in the right way. Um, you know, all the clubs that are involved are going to gain from this financially, but from a from a fan, it's it's sickening. I just mm. I just can't believe that Chelsea as a club. We you know it was only a, I think I was reading a Forbes interview with uh, Roman Abramovich, and I'm not saying that obviously there's a lot more in in between. That's obviously discussed to get to that point. But the Forbes interview um, mentioned you know the passion of the fans, the importance of having fans, you know the fact that the fans meant so much to to Roman Abramovich and also Chelsea Football Club and then to sort of to do this. I mean, Arsenal's a prime example and Spurs, they've not been in no. the Champions League. Um, well, Spurs have, but they haven't won it. Arsenal sacked about 40 members of staff, mm. backroom staff and the mascot. And now they, they've got this money that they're going to be getting from the Super League it just doesn't, there's so many things that don't sit right with me. You know, there's so many things that just don't sit right with me when it comes to this. And I think it does need some sort of professional governing body to come out or whoever who needs to have that statement and just give a bit of clarity about what happens next. Because last night I was reading rumours that the semi-finals of the Champions League were to be put, mm. um, to be cancelled or postponed. Um, I've since read this morning that that isn't the case and they should hopefully still be going ahead. But you know, what happens to tonight's game? You know, if Liverpool are involved in the Super League and they've they've announced that they're going to be doing the, you know, they're going to be partaking in the, the Super League, does tonight's game get cancelled or because they've said that now? Or, you know, what about our game on Tuesday? There's so many things that just need to be cleared up quickly as well. Because I think the problem with social media is that everyone's got an opinion, everyone's got a voice and you don't know what's the truth and what's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's tricky. Um, uh, I don't know what to say. It's it's going to be a very difficult one. And the fixtures coming up, I think, it's going to be quite important how the teams react. We saw Mourinho today, the news around Mourinho getting yeah. sacked. And there's sort of kind of rumours now that that was linked to him not wanting to go out on the training pitch with his players following Tottenham's statement that they'll be participating in the Super League last night. And that begs the question as well, whether managers and players want to take part in it, whether they had a word or a say in kind of, you know, the, the negotiations or the, the club's involvement or, because I don't think, you know, some of the Chelsea players, when they signed for Chelsea, they knew that Chelsea in a year's time would be, mm-hmm. would be playing in a Super League, I think, you know. And as I mentioned, the Haaland example, wanting to represent Norway at the World Cup, I think that goes with Werner and Havertz, you know, young players that have got, you know, the best years of their life ahead of them in football, in a in a, you know, from a football sense of view, and, and they want to play for Germany in the Euros, in the World Cup. And if UEFA and FIFA, you know, disallow them from playing or, you know, restrict them from playing in those huge tournaments, then then as well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some players start to leave these Super League teams yeah. and, you know, go elsewhere, go to the likes of Leicester, go to Dortmund, go to Bayern, who are, Bayern and Dortmund have been very sensible and refuse to take part in it. Yeah. And that's when you see a difference between Dortmund and Liverpool. Dortmund say that they're their fans, cl- um, the club for the fans of the people, whereas Liverpool say the same, but then you see the difference of which one, which his money's involved, which one goes for the money option and which one, you know, sticks with the fans and the traditions and the roots of the club. 
so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's sickening and disgusting. And I'm just gonna be very interested to see how everything plans out in the next few weeks and also the results for the teams that will be involved in the Super League and the managers, how they, how they go about it. Um, whether I'm really excited, I'm not excited, but intrigued to see what Tuchel says. Because if yeah. a manager from the standard of Mourinho gets sacked the following day, I don't think he got sacked. I think he walked probably. He walked yeah, on the job. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'd like to see what Tuchel has to say. Like Tuchel, Klopp, um, Guardiola, all these elite managers. I'd like to see what they have to say. Yeah, and I'm sure Tuchel will have his press conference at some point, if not yeah. now. We'll be back oh, yeah. the next hour, no only. So I'm sure it's about half one. Um, but yeah, you know, I agree. You know, I think we just need to, like I said, I think the governing bodies need to come out now and just not almost a reassurance, but they just need to provide a bit of clarity what is actually going to happen or what they, you know, I mean, cause, you know, the government are involved now as well. Um, you know, the government said they'll do everything in their powers to, to stop it from happening, the Super League from happening. So it just, yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, I, I've always said that, you know, Chelsea through and through, which is always going to be the case. You know, I'm never going to change that, but it won't sit right with me. And yeah. people said, someone said to me earlier you know, this morning, you know, you'll still watch the games. Yeah, I watch every, you know, I watch Chelsea games through and through. I will, but, it, you know, just because I'm watching the game, it doesn't, I'm supporting my club because it's all I know how to do. You know, I don't know anything else. I don't know how to not watch Chelsea. So, Yes, I'll watch the games, but it doesn't mean it, I agree with it. And I hope it doesn't happen. If I'm honest, I, I really do. You know, I think I think it would be a mess, a complete mess, not just for the teams out of the, the Super League, but for the teams in the Super League. You know, if you wanted to opt out at some point, how, how do you do that? Can you opt out? Are you stuck in it for life? Do you stay in it? You know, yeah, it's it's a crazy one. It really is crazy. But we've still got positives to take from this season. We're still in contention for top four as it is at the moment in the Premier League. Um, FA Cup final to look forward to, Champions League semi-final. If you'd asked me when Lampard was sat, would I take that? 100%. 100%. So, um, you know, I think we can take some positives from there um, before we, we wrap up and just, yeah, let's hope the Super League thing is a dream yeah. and it's uh, shelved pretty quickly. But um, as always, you can follow us guys um, on from the Shed Ends on Twitter and Instagram um, and also on the YouTube channel that we're currently streaming live to as well. Um, again, we'll be getting as much content as we can out there. Um, I know Theo has been working hard on the, the Instagram account that we've got as well. So make sure you go and interact with Theo over there. Um, it was interesting the the kits that you put up, <laughs> the the, um, the anniversary kit, which is an amazing kit, by the way. Beautiful, um, yeah. It's amazing, you know. Um, I, I, I've got it. I just don't wear it. I can't mm. wear that one. It's <laughs> okay, one of those, get it framed, I think. <laughs> I, no, I might. Seriously, yeah. I might get it framed. Um, it's that nice. Um, but yeah, you know, go and interact with Theo on the on the on either. You know, Twitter, Instagram. Um, give us your views on what we've discussed today. Let us know you, what you what you think about the European Super League. Are you against or, you know, do you think it's going to be one of the best things that's happened to modern day football? Um, but yeah, you know, thank you for listening. And I've been T Dot Theo. Thank you as always for thank joining you. me. Give me your thoughts. No internet connection issues <laughs> this week. It's been brilliant. So Get thank you everyone for listening. <laughs>